Welcome to the Bad Asian Podcast. Today we are recording with Listening Party inside Canal Street Radio. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Listening Party, so please follow them at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. That being said, let's get into the show. So, everybody, welcome back to the world's most inconsistent podcast where we start off talking about Asian things and we slowly devolve into self-indulgent thought exercises. I'm your host, David Nguyen, and joining me, as always, from the West Coast is... Imran Chi. And today we have a very special guest, originally from Sacramento, now a resident of New York City. Everybody, please welcome Brian Yang. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for doing the show, Brian. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. All right. So, Brian, I've known you for a very long time. Not yeah. consistently, but a long time. <laughs> We've been aware, each, aware of each other. Yeah, we've known each other's presence for quite a while, and I primarily knew you as the only Asian Sacramento Same, comedian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then uh, you made the big move to New York City about five or six years ago. Yeah, which was the wrong move. You think so? Should have stayed with J.R. de Guzman <laughs> on the West Coast. He's he's huge now. Was he was he around when you were out there? Yeah, he just started when I left. I want to oh, say. Did man. he have his guitar the whole time? Um, he was both. He was always good at both. He would do the guitar sometimes and do uh, just stand up sometimes. And he would he was uh, just starting out and then uh, blew up. Yeah. Damn. I don't know about you guys, but anytime I see a comedian with a guitar that's not named Dimitri Martin, I just see it as a crutch. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I love J.R. Have you, do you know J.R.? No, no, he's good. Okay, he's yeah, good. Okay. But the competitive nature inside, and you. the pettiness and right. I guess the insecure part of me I just looks at somebody with a guitar. And it's like He's you know, Filipino, though. So the Filipinos, I feel like they can do music and it's okay. You know, if he was oh. white, I'd be very upset. But <laughs> as a... As a Filipino comedian, I feel like the music is part of his soul, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was bound to happen. He's just going to break out. Like, him and Andrew Orolfo eventually are just going to start up. <laughs> leave comedy behind. He's like, this is what we wanted to do the whole time. It's like, wait, you're just actually good at music. Yeah. It's like, this is what, how you're going to trick people into thinking that uh, Filipinos are good at music is yeah. to start off with comedy first. Moral of the story, though, don't move to New York to pursue comedy. Stay where you are. And just become good, and they'll still find you. You don't need to move anymore. I feel like. Oh, you don't think so? You don't like you think like you could just do it through YouTube and everything will be fine. Yeah, I feel like um, Irene too stayed on the West Coast and she's blowing up and like I just feel like you could. They'll come to you now if you you can build enough of a following um, on your own because of social media and YouTube. Yeah, I was having this conversation with other New York comedians um, not too recently. Uh, but and they were talking about how the New York comedy scene is very fractured. Yes. Yeah. So you have kind of scenes within the scenes. So you do have like a Brooklyn scene. You have the club scene, and then micro scenes. Dude, I just moved those. to Harlem, and uh-huh. there's a whole underground black scene in Harlem where everyone has code names like they're pro wrestlers. There's like this guy <laughs> named Illusion doing the Rooster Club. I'm like, what the fuck? I've never heard of any of these guys. Yeah, it's crazy. And then moving to New York, uh, I become more aware of um, the circuits that people mm-hmm. talk about. So there are like, you know, the black circuits, the Bible circuits. Oh, right. Miscellaneous yep. things like very specific tailored to who you are. Like there's an audience for everybody. Uh, and you can kind of get on that way. But with the democratization of i guess the internet um you don't need to really move into that those lanes you can just put it online yeah and if and you know how to you. market yourself yeah. they'll find you exactly that's um, amazing no. i still i still uh 
overall, am happy I moved here, though. Just, I feel like I got better as a comedian. I'm never going to be a famous comedian, but I'll be better than I was. Which is <laughs> <laughs> nice for me personally, I guess. Why Why do you say that? Is that because of the, the number of shows that are out there or the types of shows that are out there? Oh, no, I'm just, yeah, I would just say like the rep. You get so many reps that you just get good and everyone's good around you, so... Like right. it's rising tides raise all ships type of thing. Okay. So I feel like like when I go and do a festival somewhere, I always feel like the New York comics are like very tight and strong. Where okay. you you can just tell like oh these guys get the most reps. Like we even if it's a comic like you don't know very well or you don't necessarily like, but you're both there as like New York comics. Like oh shit, like we're we're in the trenches a lot, and you know Got the it. rooms here are terrible. You know. Um, David will tell you when you come do a mic in New York, it's not like a mic anywhere else, I feel like, because it's just 50 comics. No one likes you. No uh, one is rooting for you. Where I remember back home in Sacramento, like, mics would have real people who, like, are fans of comedy. Like, oh, let's check out these amateur comedians. That will never happen in New York because they could just see, let's just go see Chris Rock. I think the actual Chris Rock is here. Yeah, they're am- like the New York amateur comedians are like Sam Morell or Mark Right, Morrell. exactly. Oh my God. Yeah, just people yeah. who have like done Conan eight times. Yeah. People who are headlining yeah, they- over here are open micers over there. Yeah, yeah. So, well, like people who are headlining B clubs, I think, are the struggling amateur comedians sure. in the eyes of uh, the New York audiences. Yeah, got so, it. It's just that level of competition. But uh, the only thing I will disagree with Brian is a shitty mic in New York is a shitty mic <laughs> anywhere. That's like, true. A shitty mic, yeah, yeah. Ju- uh, it knows no uh, boundaries. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like, you can die in San Francisco the same way you can die in L.A. or you can die yeah. in... Yeah. Uh, I just feel like New York amplifies it. I agree that the mic itself is bad anywhere, but New York amplifies it because, like, today... Let's say we do a mic and bomb, and then now you have to walk in the snow (laughs) (laughs) onto the slushy train, and then the train's going to be... Like today, for example, let's say we just did a mic. A guy just got dragged on the 7 and then hit uh, an electrical box and died. So now you bombed, and your train's delayed because a guy got dragged by the train and died and hit an electrical box. Now it's going to take you two hours to get home, and you get to just really ruminate on that bomb. (laughs) And then also a guy's dead. God damn, New York is cold. <laughs> I'll say this about New York. Like, people in New York are hyper-focused. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, one thing that people do not have time for is just hijinks on a train. Because <laughs> exactly. I-, I was on the train the other day, and a man started a fight with a woman. Oh, shit. And then they were kind of just shoving each other back and forth, and the train wouldn't move until, like, the situation resolved itself. And then in the back, you could hear a black woman yell, it's like, Take that shit somewhere else. I got work to go to. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for this. <laughs> and that's true of like any incidents on a train. Like there could be another terrorist attack, and people was like, "Bomb somebody else." <laughs> I gotta go back home. A hundred percent. A couple months ago, there was a bomb threat uh, above where my wife's train was stopped, uh-huh. and then she. Everyone got a security alert on their phones. And kind of just glanced at it and then kind of just put their phones yeah, away. Yeah, like, yeah. It, didn't, it didn't phase anyone that there was a bomb threat right above them. They're just like, okay, what are we going to do? We're trapped down here. Yeah, New Yorkers, they <laughs> either want to get to work or get to home in a timely manner. Right. They're like, don't <laughs> bullshit them. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into Brian a little yeah, let's bit. Let's do it. So let's do it. he is our first uh, Hmong yeah, guest that's right. on the show. 
and uh, statistically speaking, he's probably going to be the only I feel like if there's another Hmong comedian, we would know each other. We would just have to know each other. You think he would need like your uh, permission before we could start? <laughs> I would have to bless him. <laughs> because let's let's be real. Uh, Nick Aragon has his jokes. Like you both aren't gonna make it. <laughs> what are the chances of two Hmong comedians no being way. successful? Yeah, there's just, just no way. Yeah, if that dude has a guitar, you're fucked, dude. You're oh, I'm <laughs> so fucked. If he's like a Gen Z kid who can like do EDM beats and shit and comedy, I'm t- I'm screwed. You're done. Yeah, you just you better hope that uh, whatever monk comedian comes out isn't trans or non-binary, <laughs> <laughs> mixed race. Luckily, we're very repressed and backwards people as a culture, so that will never happen. <laughs> And also very uh, insular, too. Yeah, very insular. Uh, it, like, I like in the Hmong people, like, we're very much like Jewish people who okay. just came to America, where we create our own communities and kind of stay, like, build our own communities uh, within ourselves in whatever cities we show up in. So, like, it'll be, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul area in Fresno, where there's, like, a ton of Hmong people concentrated in one place. And they kind of just stick together, open their own businesses, patronize those businesses, and kind of, like, obviously we'll go to, like, grocery stores and, you know, American restaurants and stuff, but it is still very insular. Yeah, to borrow a phrase from Insecure, like, Hmong people are orthodox Hmong. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Largely. Yeah, like, even the second generations, you guys still kind of, like, keep very close ties. Like, you're probably, like, the first weirdo who broke free. I feel like I am. I feel like I'm the first, like truly American Hmong person who's like, oh, I don't have to just, like, you know, like many Asian cultures were very, like, honor-based and, like, parental uh, approval-based. So I was, like, the first, one of the first people, I feel like, to just be like, fuck that. I'm going to just try and do comedy, and I don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah, you said that you guys are very insular. Did you have a lot of problems when you brought home your wife? Um, no, because at the time, because she's white, right? Yeah, luckily, my aunt had married my uncle, who was white in the early 90s. So she took all the heat. So she took the heat early on. Yeah, they met, they went to Brown, uh, in Rhode Island, and then she brought him home. And, uh, you know, my parents are pretty progressive for Hmong people, so they were all good with it. But my grand, my grandfather literally told my aunt that he was gonna commit suicide. But guess what? He's still alive, so he's okay with it. <laughs> what a bullshitter. <laughs> yeah, he's a bullshitter, that guy. No, he literally said he was going to jump into a lake if they got married. And, you know, they got married in, like, 93. And uh, he's great, my Uncle Greg. So he and, was uh, the first. Did, you, did they get married by a lake? I would have gotten no, married uh, by a lake. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever give him shit? It's like, hey, look, a lake. Yeah. You're going to jump in. <laughs> no, be, being the, the patriarch of the family, everyone just sweeps that comment under the rug You're like oh grandpa never said that he always loved greg um <laughs> but yeah he took the heat and uh, luckily he's like a great dude uh i've known him since i was like five years old and he's okay. like, as as much part of the family as you know anyone else is and probably now at this point they moved to minnesota uh about 10 15 years ago he definitely speaks better mong than i do <laughs> <laughs> all right so for people who don't know what mong are uh, can you roughly break it down? Because you probably have to explain this. Yeah, all the half time. A dozen time. Um, there's a little bit about it in my stand-up. Hmong uh, people, I think we started out as a small um, 
offshoot of Chinese people that lived in the hills, I believe, like millions of years ago. And then we were pushed out into Southeast Asia. So we don't have our own country. And we kind of live in the hills of Laos, Thailand, Vietnam. uh, And, you know, we're opium farmers by trade, I guess. And then the Vietnam War broke out and spilled into Laos. Uh, The CIA found the Hmong men to be good at fighting the Viet Cong, trained us uh, to fight, to help fight that war. And then after it went to shit, granted us refugee status to come to America. So that's how the Hmong people started coming to America in the late 60s, early 70s. And then, yeah, my parents came over in the 70s. And then I, yeah, I was born here in America. But that's like the quick history of Hmong people. Wait, was your grandfather one of the people who were trained? Yeah, he was. Oh, man. Yeah, the CIA just flew in and found Hmong dudes in the village, <laughs> gave them guns, and was like, all right, you guys are uh, <laughs> soldiers now. And Hmong people were like, you know what? We don't like Vietnamese Yeah, people. exactly. <laughs> they were like, sure. We'll kill Vietnamese people. Like, we were going to do that anyways, yeah. but now we can do it more efficiently. So the Hmong people had, like, you know, been fucked over by the Chinese, the Japanese, and the French. So I think... Uh, the CIA was like, oh, these people like have fucked up a lot of people and there are very few of them, but they're pretty hardcore. So I think that, you know, it's similar to what's happening in Syria now. But not yeah, but your your numbers must have been really small for them, for the U.S. to just grant you refugee status. There's only 300,000 Hmong people in America. Yeah. So there's not oh, a lot shit. of us at all. What about uh, in the territories in Southeast Asia? I feel there's probably if there's 300,000 in America, I feel like there's like. Just a few million of us. There yeah. can't be, like, uh, I think the only lesser known ethnic minorities of Asia that I am aware of is, like, the Mian people, mm-hmm. who are, like, Hmong people, but, you know, the people we shit on, because they're, <laughs> they're the only you ethnicity mean, below us. There's a pecking order. People, you mean Hmong people with no fighting skills? Is that what Exactly, it, what yeah. It? They probably fought, too, but we just skip over that history, because there's not enough of them to, like, make a fuss about it. Uh, oh, there's definitely no Not anymore. comments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think Mian people are, like, the only smaller ethnic minority that I have that I know of. Yeah, I remember when, because I know a bunch of Mian people in San Jose, mm-hmm. uh, and then some in Sacramento, too. Yeah, I, l- I remember when my friends introduced themselves as Mian, I was like, oh, another group? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Even Asians are like, come on, man. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, you guys are all just hanging out in Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you say, well, you guys won't give us a country. So that's fair. Yeah, there's not <laughs> enough of us to form a country. So, Well, Southeast Asia in itself is like such a small territory. It is. There's just not enough to carve out an, another little patch inside. Right. It's like, you want another small landlocked country? I mean, I'm pretty sure Hmong people do. It's like, hell yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... Um, the general that the CIA put in charge, General Vang Pao, mm-hmm. he was in prison because uh, he wanted to go back to Laos, I think, like five years ago and take over Laos and run it as a Hmong state. Mm-hmm. But the guy he was allegedly, well, he did. The guy he tried to buy guns from was actually an FBI agent. So he had set up this whole plan to bring soldiers and stage a coup in Laos. And he actually bought guns from an FBI agent got arrested and went to prison. Damn. For, yeah. <laughs> but I think he got out because he's really old and like it turned out to be it was kinda like 
um, entrapment, you know? Yeah. So, like, got it. He w- yeah, so he got out. Um, is he a folk hero to the community? He is a folk hero to the Hmong people, yeah. yeah. There's never... It's so funny. Like, if they're your ethnic background, they're never guilty. There was, like, this big case <laughs> in Minnesota where this Hmong hunter killed, like, five white dudes. And all the Hmong people were like, mm, he's innocent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's hilarious. You, uh, are there anything that's very distinctively Hmong? Um, uh, I guess I, I only are, know Hmong people from your fancy hats and yeah, exactly dresses. the dress, like they're the bright green and bright orange. Uh, Imagine clothing. an Asian quinceanera. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> and then they we hang money, um, coins on the clothing. So that's like what we wear at weddings and uh, um, Hmong New Year, which mm-hmm. is like the big. A holiday that we celebrate is that independent of the other lunar new year? Yeah, it's before it happens in November, so it's with the harvest, I guess, oh. around the harvest time. So, so you guys, backwards. yeah. So you guys have been like pushed out from China, and you guys now live in like the mountains of Vietnam and stuff, right? If right, correct. Laos. In Laos, so how yeah. do you? How, yeah, how, who do you guys hate the most? Um, probably actually the Lao, because really? yeah, the Lao government is who I think to this day is still, like, hunting Hmong defectors who are hiding in Laos and think the war is still going on. Oh, shit. It's like a heart of darkness type shit that's still happening. Um, So probably the Lao government that is now um, communist and then the Vietnamese and then probably the Chinese and the Japanese. Okay. In that order. Yeah, in that order. (laughs) In historical order. Well, that's the hierarchy right there. Yeah, like, yeah uh, right. I've asked you about the Asian hierarchy on the, yes. the Bad Asian live show. Yep. Uh, and then the way the hierarchy formed in my head is, like, which group of people could I bring home to <laughs> meet my mom where she'll have, like, the least trouble with? Mm-hmm. And that's generally how the hierarchy breaks down. Uh, I don't know if that <laughs> works for you, but... Um, so my parents were, like I said, pretty progressive for mm-hmm. Hmong people, and we... My brother and I went, like, we lived in mostly white communities. So when I brought home a white girlfriend, they weren't, like, freaking out about it. They they had my uncle, who had, like I said, bore the brunt of the racism. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, by the time, all my friends were white, mostly. And yeah. then, you know, they were fine with it. Did you tell your parents that if they didn't accept your girlfriend, that you were going to jump into a lake? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, the Hmong default answer to something we don't like. Like, oh, you won't book me? I'm going to jump into a lake <laughs> if you don't book me on this bar show. That'll probably get you booked, bro. <laughs> I'll, try that, I'll try that on Twitter. Twitter later. <laughs> oh, what was it? Uh, I was, I was going to ask. Oh, uh, have you dated um, Asian before? Yeah, I dated a Hmong girl oh, snap. Um, in high school. You were worried that you were related to her? No. Because it's she, such a small so, population? So you, <laughs> you can actually, it's such a small population that in the Hmong culture, you're allowed to marry your cousin yeah. as long as they don't have your same last name, okay. which is super um. dumb if you know anything about genetics because the last <laughs> name is not what determines your child to have birth defects. It's like the, You're still fucking within the same gene pool. Yeah. But if So if I marry a cousin on my mom's side, that would have been okay, but still no white people. <laughs> <laughs> you but, just steered uh, clear. You were just like, I'm just going to go into a completely different pool. Yeah. Yeah. But in the the weird thing, uh, the uh, you're like I'm gonna r- jump into this white lo- pool, <laughs> <Exactly>. white lake. <laughs> white lake. <laughs> That's clean. 
Yeah, and the weird thing about that rule, too, is even if someone is completely unrelated to you from a completely separate family, but they have your same last name, you're not allowed to marry them either. So if I met a girl with the last name Yang who we shared no relation with, it would still be taboo for us to get married, but totally fine to marry a Lee cousin that I have. But that's only is, if she's Hmong, though, right? Like correct. If she was it, yeah. a different type of Asian, it would have been It would have been fine? Yeah, if she was Chinese or whatever, then it would yeah. have been fine. What if she's like me and they're like, oh, never? Or if she was me and they'd be like, dude, come on, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> have some self-respect. We're already hill people, <laughs> yeah. and you're like finding even lesser hill people? Come on. <laughs> They live this on the like, south side of the hill. That's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> this is so racist, but no one knows what any of us are, so they're not, it's not even going to affect my career. Yeah, it's, like a, <laughs> it's like a redneck making fun of a hillbilly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're from, it's like someone from Alabama making fun of someone from Appalachia. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no one gets harmed. <laughs> um, well, hilarious. what happened with that uh, relationship? Because um, she didn't she... like comedy or wrestling? this is what's awesome about white in-laws is they love comedy like they think it's the coolest thing ever Mm -hmm. uh white people love when you follow your dreams (laughs) 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 i've made no money doing comedy and my in-laws think i am the coolest person they've ever met and yeah it's just hard uh it just wouldn't have worked out. We broke up in high school. It just wouldn't have worked out because I didn't go to college and uh, I wasn't making money. Like, I think her husband now, he's like a pharmacist, which is like <laughs> the Michael Jordan of Asian jobs. Like, oh, man, how bad my grandma wants all of the grandkids to be pharmacists. That really is like the main difference between uh, Asian culture and white culture is that Asian cultures, they, they want you to see your fullest potential. And mm-hmm. white culture wants you to follow your heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the white culture is always like, you should at least try. And even if you fail, at least you try. Yeah. And Asian culture is like, Absolutely. do not fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no happiness component on the Asian side. Yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> They're like, you can't, you'll have money. You'll be rich. That will make you happy. Right, right. So you said you grew up mainly around white people? Yeah. Do you have uh, Asian friends growing I up? I do. So What was your crew like? My... I had, like, a double life. So during the week, I had all my high school friends. And then on the weekends, we would go to church. And then I had, like, church friends who were all Hmong. We went to a Hmong Oh, are you Christian? Yeah, I was. Okay. Yeah. What kind of of Christian? It's called Christian and Missionary Alliance. It was the denomination. You guys know Billy Graham? He's, like, a famous pastor. I know the name. Yeah. He's famous because he met with, like, a lot of presidents, I Uh think, all the way up until... Even Obama. Uh-huh. Um, he was like a really famous, uh, one of the big uh, pastors that everyone knew about. So he is part of this denomination called Christian Missionary Alliance. And the reason we wear that is because they are the ones who brought a lot of Hmong, sponsored a lot of Hmong people to come to America. So once you get refugee status, you need to help with finding jobs and houses. And a lot of churches would sponsor families. So that's why... But you yeah. had to be Christian to do so, right? Um, you didn't have to, but the, okay. the deal, I think, was like, hey, we brought you guys over yeah, here. You yeah, might yeah. as well check this thing out. And, like, Hmong people are very, like, loyal. So yeah, they're going to yeah. be like, you know, sure, this must be pretty cool. No, and that, I think church gets you through food. Like, yeah. there's always a lot of food. That's a very okay. common thing with uh, Vietnamese immigrants, too, because I never realized I knew more Catholic Vietnamese people than I knew Buddhist or, you know, our 
folk religion. Mm-hmm. So it's because it that like the Catholic missionaries got a lot of refugees over here. Yeah. Uh, I know one specific instance where my friend, <coughs> uh, a Catholic person, uh, missionary, uh, helped bring him and his, or his family over at the time. But then they made him promise that he's going to get at least three generations of Catholics in his family. <laughs> oh, wow. And then oh, my yeah. friend, my friend, he's like the third generation. Right. So and he's still Catholic. I don't know. Yeah. He's like, bowing out. The, the <laughs> contract is ending. No, like here's the thing with Christianity and religion and Emron. You guys, you guys could probably understand this. Is like just observing people who don't follow the faith. It's so ingrained in you sure. that you can never truly separate yourself oh, yeah. from it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so absolutely. deep in the culture. So I have a friend um, who is... He doesn't identify as religious, but, uh, and I told this story before, like, uh, during Lunar New Year, I asked him if he wanted to go to temple, and he didn't have to, like, worship or anything, but, like, that's just where Vietnamese people go to mm-hmm. congregate for the Lunar New Year. We just set up a bunch of fireworks, and it's just, it's you know, fun. be around your people, right, right. during your people's yeah. celebration. He's like, oh, I can't do that. It's like, why not? It's like, because, you know, like, it's a temple and God. It's like, but you don't believe in God. You said that. Right. He's like, ah, I just feel uncomfortable. But like, yeah, it's yeah. your, I mean, all religion really is a cult and uh-huh. you get it. I mean, they teach you from birth and <laughs> it's really hard to scrub your brain of that stuff. And I, I still, once in a while, like, I, I would consider myself agnostic and I'm still like deep, deep down. Scared of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's is the, that's that the Asian part of you that's just scared yeah, of people. <laughs> AKA the loud government. <laughs> I think it's just natural for Asian people to be scared of like ghosts right. or, or we're, some kind of demon. We're, we're uh, Hmong people are, we're, we grew up in, uh, you know, thatch huts. So we're scared of the dark, man. It's just any superstition, any right. superstition, Asian people tend to be. But like Emron, you said like uh, you're not very Muslim anymore. No, uh, but you still observe certain. Muslim yeah, I things. observe certain things. I observe uh, Eid, which is basically the celebration. Ramadan is like fifty-fifty. If my parents are in town, I'll fast. Otherwise, I won't. <laughs> that's all, yeah, that's like the second generation. It's like if my dad's in town, I'll go to church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, uh, how would you raise your children? Are you gonna? You like? I remember you told me that you're going to raise them culturally Muslim, but, like, what does that even mean? I, I have no idea. I haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, like, you have to introduce... My children need to know enough to pass when my parents are around. That's basically exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> when grandma's that, here, we believe in Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> when he's when he leaves next week, we can go back to watching rated R movies, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But as long as your grandparents are here, anytime there's kissing on the TV, you got to change the channel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, I think, like, to me, I would consider myself culturally Christian as well, right? Because I still do Christmas and Easter and that stuff. I don't believe in any of the mythical aspects of it. But, like, Imran, I think I totally get what you mean. You still... participate in like the family aspect and like the tradition aspect of those things even right. though you don't believe in them it's like ah, i've done it my whole life so i might right. as well like i'm not gonna stop now 
I think yeah, what it like really if is, you, is that if you, you abstain guys, from it, you feel like you're lacking. Like if yeah. you're like missed out, and that's really why you take part more than anything else. It sounds like what you guys are really doing is avoiding conflict. Let's <laughs> 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 be real about that. No, but I like I, that's true. But you, dude, I, you're so brainwashed. Like I literally love Christmas, and it's the celebration of the birth of this thing I don't believe in. <laughs> <laughs> I love Christmas, even though I'm not Christian, just for the fact that, like, people act the way they should, like, most of the time. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. For that like, week. More, yeah, it's like they're more kind. They're like, you know what? You go ahead. And I'm like, man, I wish you people were like this all the time. Right. It'd be great. It's like, it's like on principle, I refuse to celebrate Christmas just because I don't want to be seen as a hypocrite. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, also emotionally, like, I'm detached from it. As a kid... I love Christmas, but oh. I think I just love presents. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just the capitalist society sure. that we grew up in. It's like, hey, everybody has stuff. But what about I, your girlfriend? She celebrates Christmas, She right? loves Christmas, and right. she makes me buy her presents. <laughs> <laughs> so you're still See, kind of celebrating. No, 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 no. I'm celebrating her not crying. Got it. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't do trees. I don't do Santa. Yeah. Uh when we have kids, she can have them celebrate Christmas all she wants, oh, but man, I'm not going to be part of it. I love it. You're going to be the Asian-ass <laughs> dad. It's going to be so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just angry-ass David in the corner while the whole family is drinking hot cocoa. So you guys are celebrating a lot. <laughs> Religion is the opiate of the masses. <laughs> Dude, you just got to balance it out. I mean, like, as a Muslim and as an Indian, I don't celebrate Christmas, but I celebrate Boxing Day. Because that shit is cheap as fuck. <laughs> and that's basically all you got to do, man. You just got to be like, your presents come after Christmas is over because that's when everything's on sale. Oh, that's great. Boxing Day does seem awesome. That's something America should have. Yeah. No, but like it, the rest of the world does it. So America, <laughs> like, America sets the tone. It never follows right. right or wrong. Yeah. It's like, that's no, that's just how it's always been. Yeah, like, yeah. that's wrong. Like, yeah, yeah. That's just how it's been. It's like the imperial system. This is way more complicated than <laughs> <laughs> these units of measurements right. need to be. <laughs> Speaking that. of America, uh, Brian, since you moved out to New York, I have noticed recently you've become a little bit more woke. I guess so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just mainly on your Twitter. I don't know yeah. about real life. About <laughs> like, uh, That's because he'll get dragged if he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get hashtag canceled, man. You know? Is that your biggest fear? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. If you get canceled, it's it's over for you for a good couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you're uh, ever going to be famous enough to be canceled? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at, like... Um, as soon as you become very famous, I don't know if I will be, but I know anytime you become famous, it's just a matter of time before people want to just, like, tear you down. Yeah, like, you-, you look at Aziz, he was, like, the most woke male comic, and they were waiting for, like, dudes. So, like, people love woke celebrities, but then we also, at the same time, love scandal. Oh, and yeah. so they took him down, and then he's back now, and it seems okay. And, it's, and it doesn't even seem like women are very upset with him anymore. I, I've talked to... I've talked to several women about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, that girl was crazy. It's like, wait, what? I thought we were supposed to believe all women. And like, but not her. She, they were like, it was all unfounded, and Aziz seems good. I was like, oh, okay. So it seems very, obviously, there's like what Louis did is bad, and what R. Kelly did was bad. But I think uh, there is a line, and if you don't cross that line, people will be like, we just want to see you get shamed for a little bit, and then you can come back. Seemed very unnecessary yeah. what happened to Aziz, though. <laughs> yeah, he got <laughs> fucked pretty hard. But, like, he, he got lumped in with the... With he got lumped in with Louis because it happened at the yeah, same time. Yeah, which is the worst. Which yeah. is the worst. Yeah. That, that's yeah, the, I, 
uh, when I read the article, it just seemed like he was just trying to use his fame to get laid. Yeah. And he was just really fucking lazy about it. And the, it just the best line the of the article was when she said, he gave me red wine, but I wanted white wine. It's like, <laughs> wait, you, focus on the assault. Like, that's douchey, but it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I identify with Aziz. Not, I, not obviously as a sexual assaulter, but like <laughs> as someone who dates a he's white a, woman. He's a, yeah, he's a, he was obviously an. Oh, Asian. I thought you identified with him because he also hates Laotian. <laughs> yeah. he, he he was uh, you know he grew up in the south. He's probably the only Asian dude around. He's a nerd. He became a super famous comedian. You know, yeah. he's trying to fuck, and it probably worked previously. That's why he kept right. doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, aside from that. Um, you don't see a pattern of bad behavior, which right. is, like with Cosby and Louie, there was like a pattern of that behavior. So, yeah, you mean I, Aziz didn't take every girl he dated on a on a yacht for horses. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the move when you have the money. Yeah. Um, Do you think Aziz right now is overcompensating just so like he doesn't get any more trouble? Like, yeah. Do you would you like white wine? I'm sure he is, and also <laughs> his social media. He doesn't talk about. He needs to be very like social justice uh, and he doesn't talk about anything he's just kind of like skirted anything and his social media is just like all of his tour dates now do you think he's gone on the other end now and he's just like super anti uh i don't think so. i think he's probably just neutral because he he uh at the time where he was super woke i think it was he probably is very liberal but it was also beneficial to his brand and then right. they came after his ass and now he's like oh shit like they can also destroy you. So I think now he's just like, okay, I just won't be part of that anymore. And I'll just be my own thing of like, I know what I believe, but I'm not going to be all into that side have, of stuff. Have anymore. you seen him do any of his new stuff at all around? New York? I haven't seen him, but I've heard, uh, that he is touring with a new hour now. Yeah. Cause I've heard it's angrier. Yeah. <laughs> like I heard it's, he's a lot more angrier than he was before. So I'm kind of interested to see if like all of this dragging had turned, like has turned him into something. Yeah. I do remember hearing his early stuff when he first came back was like, people are too sensitive and people were upset about that. But his, I read, I think New York times uh, was at like a very recent set he was at mm -hmm. and he, at the cellar. And he was like, you know, he didn't do any material, but it, he just spoke about how um, bad he felt about the situation. So it does feel like he is doing the thing I wanted Louis to do because Louis is not facing any legal trouble at all. But I do want him to be like, look, I jerked off in front of a bunch of people. Here's some material about it or at least acknowledge it. And he's not. But yeah. Aziz does seem to have acknowledged like what he did and feel bad about it. So I think that's like the bare minimum you can do. Well, I think what Aziz yeah. is, uh, he was a baby face. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's just a regular face. Right. He should yeah. just turn to heel. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is well, like that's the thing. Louis, Louis was always a heel. Right. He was like, a, no, he was more like a stone cold, I guess. Anti-hero. Anti-hero. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, now he take that. and now he's a heel. He's just Triple H yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what he's more Randy your... Orton than Triple H. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what started your love of wrestling, Brian? Uh, I, th I was like 11 or 12 during the Attitude Era in the late 90s. And mm -hmm. at that time, like, it just was incredible. And looking back, you know the WWF roster was like Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, um, all these guys that are going to for sure be wrestling Hall of Famers now. 
Um, and yeah, it was at this weird time where there was like no PC culture at all. <laughs> there was oh, Val Venus isn't PC <laughs> yeah. at all. A porn star who a comes porn? out with a purple dick that squirts white liquid on the audience when he comes yeah. out. You mean the Godfather with the hoe train? <laughs> yeah. We, dude, can you believe in the '90s we just ate that up? It was just like. Now there would be so many blogs about like how wrestling is like so fucked up. But back then it was like, this is the greatest thing ever. They did an angle where uh, the Japanese wrestlers chopped off uh, Val Venus's dick because they were jealous <laughs> that it was so big. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> they chopped his dick off. Well, they used yeah. to like, have bra and panty matches yeah, and yeah. women were just more or less eye candy and their That's wrestling the was never thing taken to me. seriously. That there has been no wrestler that has gotten any sexual assault accusations like comedy, like comedy and actors. They've all had um, like a Me Too movement, and there has right. been none in wrestling. And I'm like, that's fucking insane. Because you know why? Because it's be- part of the story. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> to me, I mean, like wrestling is the first place where everyone's like, yes, Vince McMahon did something weird. Like. But no, it's it's been insane that nothing has uh, come up. You know, well, you're it's, right. it's hard. It's hard to be take... buried under a prison right now. <laughs> <He should. laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard to take that seriously when it's like the next week he's like DDTing people in the middle of the ring. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hilarious. Did you want to be a wrestler at some point? Um. Yeah, I I wrestled in eighth grade. Hilarious. Uh, and it's like amateur wrestling, so right. it's completely not <laughs> what WWF was. But yeah, I for sure dreamt of it. But you know, I'm five nine. There's no way I'd ever be. <laughs> you're five nine, <laughs> Asian dude. You can't do flips off no, the turnbuckle. Yeah. <laughs> so no, yeah, if you're five nine, you got to be Rey Mysterio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't do anything. So yeah, um, my dream now is to get to the John Stewart level. John uh-huh. Stewart's like a big WWE yeah. fan, and he came to. SummerSlam a couple years ago and got um, slammed by John Cena and got hit by a chair. <laughs> Did he hit like, John Cena with a chair? He hit John <laughs> Cena with a chair, and then the next night, John Cena hit him with a chair uh-huh. and slammed him. I was like, that's my dream, just to like get to be a heel real quick. Because wrestling fans <laughs> don't like anyone who's not a wrestler, so yeah, if you show yeah. up and you're famous, they want you to get your ass kicked. And I was like, that would be a dream come true to show up Everyone boo you, and then John Cena slam you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you don't want to win? Just like David Arquette? (laughs) You don't want to be the new David Arquette? Who's your favorite wrestler? Uh, Of all time? Man, probably Ric Flair. Yeah, everybody always goes Ric Flair. I think comics all love Ric Flair because he was really, really funny. Mm -hmm. He was, like, incredibly legitimately funny, like, just screaming at people, my shoes cost more than your house. In the South? <laughs> That's that incredible. So yeah, it's so yeah. good. And so then good. on top of that, he was like the best wrestler too. So he, he had it all. He could talk and he could uh, perform in the ring. Some people just have one or the other, like mm-hmm. uh, Chris Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. His chokehold is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, more of an a in-ring performer than an out-of-ring personality, I would say. Um yeah. But yeah, Flair. Just looking back, and he's just been around for f- so long, too. He's too lasted. Long. Yeah, too long, too long. That's true. It's incredible that he's alive. But uh, pound for pound, entertainment wise, he's he's got to be the best to me. Yeah, I remember watching Hogan's um, reality TV show. Like oh when yeah, it first came out. Yeah, and growing just like Hogan. watching. Yeah, growing up Hogan, and just like <laughs> watching him. It's kind of funny because like his kids were all doing all sorts of shit. His wife was doing stuff, but like he was in pain the entire time. Yeah. 
And it was just like, my God. He was like, yeah, I got to get these injections in my back three times a week. Otherwise, I can't move. And I was like, oh, fuck man. that life, man. But he had like the laziest I know. repertoire. I know. But <laughs> I guess because his finisher was the leg drop, yeah. he used to be 6'10". Yeah. And he's only 6'5 now. I see. His, his, wow. spine, his spine shrunk six inches because every night slamming his ass onto the mat. Yeah, and he could barely walk on that show. Yeah, it was incredible. Well, I guess he did catch a lot of air (laughs) when he was dropping that super late drop. He's also incredibly racist, so that that takes a (laughs) huge toll on your body. He's a lot of things. (laughs) He's Florida to the max. (laughs) (laughs) He is the embodiment of Florida, dude. Pro wrestler with a sex tape, and I'm racist. Wow. (laughs) You should be the governor. But, like, this is how beloved Hulk Hogan is. This is, like, people forgave him for all that. Dude. That's what I was saying. Like black people, you know what it is. Still, Florida, Florida treats their people just like the Hmong treat theirs. All right, yeah. they can't do anything wrong. <laughs> I, I remember right after he uh, the sex tape came out, and then the second part of the sex tape came out where he says the n word on it. Um, yeah, I had uh, there were construction guys in our apartment fixing something, and I have a Hulk Hogan figure, and one of the black construction workers was like. Oh man, Hulk Hogan! I love that guy. I used to watch him every Sunday at the Garden, and this is like immediately after the N word tape came out. I was like, this guy is untouchable because of his <laughs> career. His career was so good. I think wrestling fans can compartmentalize. Like, no, no, yeah. no, that's Hollywood Hogan. That's yeah. at the end. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he, he, he was in the NWO. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't understand. The N word he used was kayfabe. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> He had he had the blonde mustache when he did the and the in the black beard, so he was a heel. Yeah, yeah. Hulkamania Hogan would have never said that. No, 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 no. He's American. He's an American hero. Yeah. He's so beloved. He's untouchable. No, but I just thought like it was him and Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I think if Hogan ran for president, he would probably win. He's like a more popular Donald Trump. Yeah, he has all the same things. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah. Just like Donald Trump. Trump. <laughs> bad blonde hair. Yeah, bad blonde hair, terrible body. Uh, he would get the Florida vote. I mean, I would vote for Hulk Hogan. Bang his friend's wife. Bang his friend's wife. <laughs> yeah, he has all the... He Oh, he's in, his wife looks exactly like his daughter, which is like another thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he checks all the boxes. Yeah. Of the Man. next great American president. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still watch wrestling today? I do. I'm still a fan. I, I still I'm trying to scrounge up some WrestleMania tickets because they're in New York this year. Oh, so, dumb. yeah. Oh, who's your favorite wrestler right now? Currently, oh man, Broken Matt Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good uh, character. Who do I like right now? Um, I was really into Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh-huh. He's a Japanese dude yeah. that they brought over. But he's whack on the mic. So yeah, he was really, really good when they first brought him in, and then you can just tell like. The company's run by all white people, so they don't really know what to do with him because yeah. he's super Japanese. Yeah. But he was really fun. I guess right now, uh, there's this dude, Finn Balor, uh-huh. who's like a really sexy guy. Yeah. And he's really good at wrestling, so he's, you know, he's fun. Is he good on the mic? No. There's no one good on the mic anymore, really. Uh, who's the last one? The Miz? The Miz? The Miz is probably like the only guy who really crushes it, like, and you want to see... You remember back... In the day, because I have the WWE Network, and every show needs to just start with The Rock on the ramp mm-hmm. talking shit about someone, and people would go yeah. insane. And there's really no one that could do that right now. 
Uh, Think about that era, though. You had, like, The Rock, Stone Cold, mm-hmm. who could cut a promo. Triple H could cut yeah. a promo. Uh, Mankind can cut a promo. Yeah. Kurt Angle. Yeah, Kurt A. Uh, Eddie Guerrero Eddie was Guerrero. great. Yeah. You had the hurricane here and there. Yeah, yeah, Jericho. Yeah. yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, that, you know was what? Like, you had yeah. ENC. Right, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. God. And now... You know what's hilarious? It was, like, Eddie Guerrero's... Uh, whatever, his motto was, lie, cheat, steal, right? Yeah. Because he was Mexican. Like, they would just... It was, like, the whole angle of it. Yeah. God damn. And people I loved him for that. that. Oh, my God. He yeah. had a huge following. What happened to that Indian wrestler? Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal? Yeah. He, is, he he's, was the champion. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of just around now. He's, like, a jobber now. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, he got yeah. hurt. And I think he's trying to get back in now. Yeah. But he was a champion. Don't no, no, never take that away from him. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I do. I do have a non wrestling related question for you. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, are you related to Andrew Yang by any chance? You know the guy who's running for uh, no the DNC for the but Democratic. He, uh, he follows me on Twitter because I was like, <laughs> this guy is Asian and has my last name. I'm voting for him no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you can vote for him. You can't marry him, but you right. can vote for him. <laughs> yeah, um, dude, I, that guy. Uh, I like a lot of his ideas. He wants to. His big thing is universal basic income, and I'm all yeah. about that. A thousand dollars a month. That's incredible. I'm a comedian. <laughs> That's more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime doing stand up. <laughs> but yeah, um, so like he follows you on Twitter. Like, do you talk to him at all? Or is it just kind of like you just watch him from far? Yeah, I th- I don't remember why. I think he liked something because I like I that's the tweet I tweeted like oh this Asian dude has my last name he's running for president like, he has my vote so I think he liked that tweet and then followed me but we haven't interacted but dude uh, you gotta get you're on the ground floor I man. am you gotta, actually you gotta keep going like you gotta host his events that you would gotta, be that's a good idea I should try to throw on an all Asian show in support of him that would be fun actually yeah and we send money his way yeah. Yeah, yeah, people come out and then he'll like you and then you'll get better paying gigs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so hard to support anybody nowadays because then I feel like they're going to betray you oh, yeah. <laughs> at some point because they'll just do a Twitter scrub and they just find it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he said something wild. Oh, yeah, dude. Especially like with Asian dudes, you never really know like what his pass holds. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like Kamala Harris is a black woman and like, yeah. you know... That's like as woke as you can be in 2019, and they still don't like her that much. They question her blackness, which right. is hilarious. They question her Indianness, which is also fun. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. They question her. She was a DA, so yeah. they feel like she was too tough on crime. Right. Like, yeah, it's yeah. really hard to to be pure. On the on I don't the, know if you guys saw this, but like uh, Fox News was going after her because uh, on the Breakfast Club she said that she smoked weed and listened to Snoop. <laughs> yeah, I saw when that. she was in college. Yeah. And apparently, like, when she was in college, Snoop's album hadn't come out yet. Right, because she was so, in college in the 80s, and Snoop yeah. came out in, like, 93. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn you, Fox. Yeah. God. The one time they look up a fact, yeah. it's for this. I like how Fox News are hip-hop heads. She don't really listen to hip-hop. That's hilarious that they were, like, Trying to find something to peg her on so bad that they researched hip hop. <laughs> but like that's all you need. Like Elizabeth Warren one time said she was Native American, and, and that's like, all that, people talk about. Yeah, and that's that's gonna doom her presidential right. bid. And she literally she she thought she was. It's yeah. not like she was trying to be racist. She was like, no, my family told me I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And they're like, nah, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Just because and it's and it's trickled down into like her base too. Oh yeah. And then she can't even cross over to other people who's like, well, you know, she lied about being Native Americans as if America has ever cared about Native Americans. Know, right? So how could she say that? <laughs> <Right>? Disrespectful <laughs> thing to Native no, Americans. Do. That's so I hope Andrew Yang, I hope this dude is uh I hope his background is okay. So What's it, what is his background? Um is, I think he's is like he a, rich? Uh, he's like a business guy, Uh-oh. I think. And nope. he, yeah, he's trying to. His big thing is turning those uh, red states that were formerly like purple or blue back mm-hmm. to blue, mm-hmm. um, like Pennsylvania and Iowa that went for Obama, and mm-hmm. try to get them to go back for the Democrats in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not really like social justice. He's really um, similar to Bernie, it's all it's all about like income inequality and getting jobs back. Yeah, that makes sense. He's Asian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. He's like the most Asian dude running ever. He's like, I don't care about race. Just I want everyone to get paid and have jobs. It's like <laughs> everybody should be a pharmacist. That's yeah. all I want. Yeah. Say so no more of this dream bullshit. Okay? Yeah, I think his, the American dream is dead. Yeah. Long live the American work. His slogan, I think, is if you don't vote for me, I'm gonna jump into a lake. <laughs> yeah. 2020. <laughs> How would you feel if we got booked at the NIT, though? I'm all good. You know what, dude? If my man Andrew gets booked at the NIT, that would be awesome. I'm pulling for Yeah, he's a, he's a New York guy, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, man, you need to get on that, dude. I should, Is he I your favorite candidate right now? Because there's well, so many. The primary, I'll just vote for him, and then he won't, you know, there's no way he's going to... I'll, and then that's I'll what they said about Trump. <laughs> that's <true. Yeah. laughs> no, that's the thing. It's two years away, and there's already like 20 candidates. It's insane. Uh, but if he makes it to the primary, I'll vote for him, and then you know I'll vote for whoever is up against Trump. You know. Would you vote for him, or would you vote for somebody who's half Asian, half white? Oh, wait, who's that? I'm just saying, like it's it's always fun to be like, who? Where does your line? Where's your line drawn? <laughs> well, I like, also is, like. Oh, would you rather vote for a, an Asian conservative or a half white, half Asian Democrat? Oh, yeah, I would have to go half Asian, half white Democrat. But there's also this dude, uh, Julian Castro, uh-huh. Mexican guy that looks Asian. So he's my second. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Mexican dude with squinty eyes. I'm like, oh, this dude looks Asian. I'm into that, too. Uh, I think he was like on Hillary's shortlist to be uh, VP before she chose... Um, What's his name? Tim. Yeah. Tim uh, something. Kane. Yeah, Tim Kane. So it was yeah. like between them two. But yeah, he's running now and he looks Asian. So I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Do you follow uh, politics closely? Um, I, f- I did. I did a lot. Global news. I, I did in like uh, 2016 uh-huh. to like 20, like early 2018. And I just stopped. It's just too... Man, I went to all the marches and all listened to all the podcasts, and now it's just like there's nothing you can do. All paying attention to, I already know that I'm not gonna do anything evil. Uh, like, as a person, I think the people that need to be informed are not us. <laughs> people of color in the arts, like we're hilarious, the, <laughs> hilarious. We're the ones listening to all this sh- social justice shit, and we're not the people that should be. And uh, I found out, and that's part of the reason why I quit um, Facebook and Instagram is just because, like, I just was getting all of this information, like, this bad information, and then I just knew it. Like, you just know, oh, Trump did 10 illegal things today. Okay, what am I going to do with this information? I just know it now, and it's making me sad, and I don't have the power to do anything about it. So 
I'm as informed as like a normal person would be. I used to try to read everything and stay up to date on everything, but now it was just like killing me. Okay. So, did you feel like the marches that you did uh, weren't enough? Yeah, it felt like one day, and then you just feel good about yourself, like uh-huh. oh, I'm a good person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, what do you do after that? Like, you make a funny sign, and everyone feels good, and then uh, the next day, Trump is just, like, trying to sell nuclear <laughs> information to Saudi Arabia. It's like, oh, I don't think he paid attention to this march. <laughs> so, uh, I I do like that. I, I think there's, like, a lot of... The majority of the people in the country are, I think, good people, and it's just, like, really hard to... Uh, take power away from super rich, influential people. Like, you really can't... <laughs> Laws literally don't apply to them, so there's nothing we can do. Like, e- obstruction and uh, marches can just be, like, a good way to get your emotion out. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you can't stop them, really. Unless I mean, we could always kill them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's my next <laughs> point, is, like, we could do what Egypt did. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't feel super American to me. <laughs> like, we don't have the gumption that Middle Eastern people do, you know? Right. Like, In Asia, it's true. They know how to uh, get changed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do Hmong people vote as a block? Probably conservative. I think most Asians are pretty conservative because they're religious. Like, I think that's what surprised oh. a lot of people about Latinos voting for Trump because Latinos are POC, but they're also Catholic. So yeah. they're going to vote for whoever it's right. like. Uh, pro-life right. and I think a lot of Asian people even if they're not Christian are just generally like don't like black people don't like gay people so they're gonna vote with white people we're kind of subservient in that way and also politicians don't really speak to us because we're such a small voting block that people like even Obama and Hillary don't seek out Asian vote they seek out the Latino and the black vote because that's a larger it's a numbers it's math so Asians don't matter and they more identify with white people than women or black people. So, conservatives are uh, very short-sighted. Like, yeah. if they would just get over this whole racism thing, <laughs> it would be beneficial. It'd be like it would they be would huge. get all the votes because yeah. people, I think, are naturally inclined uh, to vote religious more yeah. than policy because you don't really deal with policy on a database no. basis. Every Sunday, you have to go to Billy Graham. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, what are you going to do? And then, I, and yeah, so Asians also generally don't vote, I feel like. But did your parents vote? Or were they, they citizens? Vote. Okay, yeah. They're so, not citizens, so. Uh, my parents are both citizens. And I remember in school, in elementary school, we were learning about, like, how voting worked. And I, I asked them, like, hey, have you guys ever voted? And like, no. And I was like, oh, why? He's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I was like, that was, like, very Asian. <laughs> so I grew up thinking that, like, for most of my life, like, oh, yeah, like, What's, like, our vote going to do? And I think that was true for, like, a large swath of my life. Like, whoever was president, Democrat or Republican, like, Clinton or Bush, didn't really affect your day-to-day life. It affected, like, foreign policy, and it affected, like, how people viewed the country. But, like, my life didn't change too much, no matter who was president. I think that's how my parents felt. But now um, you kind of feel like it does... Uh, because our generation got fucked so hard, like 
income wise. So now it's like, oh, we got to vote for like some Ocasio Cortez type people so we can make a little money. <laughs> well, also now Trump is rounding up like uh, Southeast. He's Asia. literally <laughs> rounding us up, yeah, and, and deporting yeah, them right. for no reason other than <laughs> yeah, he can. They want to reverse the um, the refugee status yeah. for people who came in during the Vietnam War. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's literally affecting people now. This is like the first president in a long time that's like, oh shit, <laughs> like he, he is hurting my day to day life. So. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he always said he was going to drain the swamp, and I think he's doing that the not the way that he intended. But he's draining, like, the Asian swamps. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like he's exposed so much corruption at this point where it's like you can't fucking ignore it. Right. Exposed corruption? Yeah. Like, it's like just his so own blatant. corruption? Or what kind yeah, of corruption? His own cor- just, like, blatant. Like, like, Mitch McConnell's just kind of doing whatever he wants. He's not listening to anybody. And it's just, like, it's so blatant now where it's, like, even if you don't want to pay or you don't pay attention, you understand that, like, these guys are not representing the people in any way, shape, or form, and they're not even hiding it. Exactly right. Like, uh, the McCabe guy's been going around saying, like, hey, I warned everyone, Democrat and Republican, that Trump is under FBI investigation for collusion with Russia, and all of the top Republicans were like, okay, we don't care, though. <laughs> and, like, that just came out that they were, like, fine with it. Say, okay, but we get these tax breaks. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's what they are saying. Like, Paul Ryan was so hard for the tax breaks that he didn't care that he was under FBI investigation. If Obama was under FBI investigation at any point of his presidency, he would have been impeached so quickly. Yeah. You know? So it's just this weird double standard, and it just sucks that, man, being super rich seems awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. Do you think it was worth having Obama as president? Yeah, because I remember, like, those eight years were pretty good. Like, Uh they were pretty chill. I I just think back to, like, Man. Yeah, but the, side of, but the side effect were they pretty is chill, Trump. or were you not paying attention? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Like, dude. that's that's. I really think most people just didn't. They were like, "Oh, this guy's great. I like him." And they pay. I paid no attention. Yeah, to what was I going did on. not. I just like he would show up on Fallon and Kill, and I'm like, "Man, he's funny. I love this dude." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like as a comic, I liked the president. Emron, I'm pretty sure yeah. you paid attention when he had those uh, orders for more drones. <laughs> 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 so Emron's stock was great during the Obama era. <laughs> More money. Yeah, no, Emron works for uh, a war machine, by the way. Oh, I see. I yeah, see. He works for I Lockheed. used to work. I, yeah, I worked for Lockheed. So uh, I, I, we Lockheed actually made bank when Trump was president because he sold to Israel and Saudi Arabia within the same two weeks. Incredible. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, the president affects Emron's day to day basis. <laughs> <laughs> How, but, how, oh, um, so you you're you work in? Oh, I guess Lockheed isn't directly defense, but you sell to uh, the U.S. defense. Um, yeah, we're a contractor. Okay, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they're a contract. I'm not part of them anymore. But okay, yeah, they're a contractor. How, so how do you feel when people say so? Someone like me who's like very um, naive and just like, oh, we should cut the defense budget and put it into education and uh, put it into healthcare, like. What, oh, what are I'm your on thoughts? board. Okay. I'm on board because it's like the amount of money that gets wasted, I, I see on a day to day basis. It's insane, right? Like, like the, the defense yeah. budget is incredible. It's crazy. It's like they've ordered new tanks and we don't need new tanks right. to the point where the army is like, we don't want these tanks. They're just <laughs> sitting there. Right. And then they're like, oh, no, no, here's more money. And then it's just like the people at the top make so much yeah. off of these, these things where it's just like, dude, just put it into schools so we have like less. 
Like, it'll benefit everybody if everybody's smarter. I don't understand why you want yeah, a cr- dumb... Yeah, crime goes down. Like a, yeah, yeah, unemployment goes down. Exactly. It's just... Ugh. But it just makes us look strong. That's right. all it is. But I, I did have a question for you. Um, how does your girlfriend's family vote? Like, where are they from? And how, like, is that... They are, are they pro-Trump? Are they anti-Trump? They're like, California they Republicans. So, like, that's, like, very Arnold Schwarzenegger style Republican where you're like fiscally conservative but you're okay with gay people so I would say that oh I thought that's just when you just quoted Terminator <laughs> yeah. anytime anybody asked you a question <laughs> you say California <laughs> yeah um, so the in 2016 they wrote in Bernie so oh. hilarious anecdotally even though Bernie said do not write me in because yeah. that will make Trump president <laughs> but not um, in California yeah California doesn't matter so anecdotally like I have no data behind this but like they make me think that bernie would have won in 2016 if he yeah but are you sure because a lot of white people said that they were voting for somebody and then they yeah voted for that's Trump. true so you never know but the thing with bernie is like <laughs> he was like still an old white guy and yeah. of uh he was saying the same thing trump was saying in a more palatable way i feel like he's like i'm trying right. to bring jobs back and hillary was a little more like feminist and social justice and i think Old white people hate that shit. Yeah. And then Bernie wasn't as much. And he and was, Bernie was an old white guy. He was an old white guy who was like, I want to break up the big bangs and bring jobs back to America. It's like, I'll get your grandkids to call you. Right. And he just said, <laughs> he said everything Trump said without being racist or yeah. sexist. Yeah. So I do believe, you know, just from seeing how they've wrote him in, I was like, because I think they've voted only Republican their whole lives. It was the first time they wrote anyone in. So that okay. was, you know, they're like very John McCain- type Republicans. Oh, I thought you were going to say John Wayne. That would oh, yeah. <laughs> John Wayne is canceled, guys. 40 years after his death. <laughs> Couldn't have come sooner. All right. Um, yeah. Real quick. When you said John Wayne, I thought Clint Eastwood, so I was like, oh, same okay. Guy. They're more same dude. Same, yeah. Guy. same yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, same, same dude. exact Empty thoughts. care kind of Republican. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> killed more Hmong people. <laughs> he did. He was, he's the ally of the Hmong, Clint Eastwood. Emron, uh, you yeah. uh, just got back from Texas. Yes. Where you introduced your white girlfriend. Oh, you got a white girlfriend. Look at us. That's, Three of us breaking down barriers. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I introduced my Jewish girlfriend to my Muslim parents. How did that so go? That went... <laughs> I'm already laughing. I can't wait your for this. Your orthodox conservative Muslim parents. <laughs> <laughs> it went all right. Um, we all kind of just sat around. They asked a bunch of questions. No, no, no. Go through, the, then, go through yeah, the story. I hear the story. You landed. Yeah, I landed and I picked her up and then I took her to the hotel. Uh, and then she, I had to buy a bunch of. She had like, to stay gifts. at the hotel? Well, she didn't want to stay in the house. Why not? Because uh, it was the first time meeting him. Uh-huh. So she thought it would be weird to just like meet him and then crash that night. It would just be awkward. Hmm. So she wanted. And like her sleep own space. in the same bed. Uh, no, under... we couldn't. Like she would get her own room. Right, right. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, so. So she wanted like a hotel room, so we got her that. And so Did I had your to go parents drop feel her away about it. Like, oh, why is she getting her own room? Like, why don't she just? No, absolutely not. Her? They they were very understanding. At this point, I'm pretty sure my parents just want me to get married. I'm <laughs> yeah, st- <laughs> you know what I mean. That's After a certain you- age, they're like, yep. they're like, just get married, just get married, just grind them down to the point of like, <laughs> fuck, okay, as long as it's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> We're conservative, but fuck. As okay. long as it's a cisgendered woman. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's as far as like, I, I think what's going to happen next is, like, they've given up on, like, trying to put uh, limiters on, on my 
girlfriend or wife. And so they're going to try to in, put limiters on the children where they're going to be like, oh, we want the child to be raised Muslim. Oh. And but dude, you're, that's not going to happen. Half anything <laughs> kids are so cute that, that yeah. I think that's what always breaks down the racist uh, grandparents. Because like a half Absolutely. David's joke about the half black, half Asian baby, mm-hmm. a half Jewish, half... Indian baby is going to be so cute. I Googled it. It's yeah. not. Oh, it's not? <laughs> <laughs> just because. It's just uh, a huge furball. <laughs> well, Evron and I have a very combative friendship. Uh-huh. So yeah. uh, I had that joke about Blasians being the cutest. Yeah, yeah. So I was always curious. Like, what They are, it? though. Yeah, they are. And they are all models. They are very cute. Uh, uh, very so cute. I, had, I Googled half white, half Indian babies. Uh-huh. And then, you know, she's a bunch of mud. <laughs> like, it's not no, cute. I feel like it's not cute. Well, no, Google it. So Google offensive. it. That, the, girl, the girl on um, The Good Place is like half Indian, half white. And she's yeah, so no, she no, is. Babies. Oh, babies. Oh, the babies. So is uh, the girl who's playing Aladdin is half right. white. No, oh, the babies. Uh, babies. Sorry. I the babies. You. But they grow up to be hot. They can grow up to be whatever they want. Okay. <laughs> that's the beauty of life. But, the but babies. as long as they're pharmacists, <laughs> that's one half. <laughs> but hey, Emron, is there a word for half white, half Indian? Uh... No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Excommunicated. Uh, yeah, excommunic- yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, Google half white, half Indian babies. They're ugly. Uh, but everyone, so <laughs> your girlfriend's in the hotel room. Did you guys go meet at a neutral spot? No, I brought her to the house. Okay. To the what was demilitarized that? zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a blue house. <laughs> yeah, guards on both sides. <laughs> so uh, what we was that ride like? Clear divide. The table was on half of the board. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I brought her home. They met her. Was she they, anxious during the card ride? Yeah, she was, like, super nervous the whole time. And then we sat down, and then we just kind of shot the shit for a little while. My brother was there, and my sis, and my girlfriend knows my brother really well. So um, we just kind of talked. Then we all went out to dinner and then played Uno back at the house. Uh, and then called it a night. Did your girlfriend so, bring a present to meet your parents? Yes, she brought presents for everybody that I bought. <laughs> Incredible! Like I made sure that like I went with her and we bought stuff that everybody would it's like. like. These so, are Uno cards. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Your parents? You, can't, you can't show up. You can't show up to somebody's house for the first time empty-handed. Right? I That's did. Just gonna blow I do. Face oh, you did. Oh, you did. To to your girls? Yeah. Oh. The, f- the first time you showed up empty-handed? Uh, the first time, the second time, <laughs> every, every time. time. Damn. What about you, Brian? Did you show I, up empty-handed? No, I'm, I for sure. I know. I brought something. Yeah, yeah I, I damn, David just don't give a yeah. fuck. So Asian, so so. No, so, I think the so Asian Vietnamese. thing to do was to bring a gift. I think that's the Asian. No, but thing you're already is. an Asian dad. I feel oh like. yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Just yeah, like yeah. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> they're gonna like me or they're not gonna like me. I don't care. They already know how they feel about me. So I'm not trying to date your mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do I give a fuck? <laughs> do your parents know you do stand up? Yeah. Okay, they do. so I feel like for Asian parents, like that's the biggest blow. No matter who you date, they don't like that. The biggest blow is like. Shit, the art. No, they were they were petrified. Yeah. Like when I told them I was quitting my job and just being a comic full time, and then they were like, "Oh, dude, because I'm sure your degree is incredible to have worked at Lockheed, right?" Yeah, yeah. they were like, "What are you going to do with that education?" I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, your, it's your fault for moving to America and putting <laughs> dreams in my head. <laughs> it just it reminds me of Sheng Wang's joke where it's like it's too much freedom. Yeah, There's it too is. Much. Too if much. I was in Laos, all I would be doing is running from something. And they brought <laughs> us to a place where we can just sit around and think about shit, you know? So, and now you think about jokes. Yeah. What was the conversation like with your uh, parents and your girlfriend? 
Um, they were kind of asking because her grandmother had passed away recently, so they were just kind of asking how she was doing mm-hmm. and how her mom was doing and just kind of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like nothing too in-depth about religion or anything because I told them to dial it back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and they respected your wishes? They did. They did. Okay. You know, like both sides were nervous. She was nervous and my parents were also nervous, you know, because they don't want to do or say anything. It's funny because... Uh, my friend Amin, he's Pakistani, and his yeah. uh, wife is white, and they're like Trump. Her, her parents are like Trump white people, but oh, we were shit. talking about how like very uh, devout Muslims and very devout Christians who voted for Trump are like way more similar than they are different. Like in just like yeah. their core beliefs, right? Like very conservative, very family oriented. Mm-hmm. The only thing that makes them different is like a few um, particulars that like oh no like. Um, we would never do this or we would never do that. But if you look at like uh, um, super hardcore right wing religious groups and like <laughs> ISIS, it's like the same thing. If you just <laughs> took uh, ethnicity away from it, yeah, absolutely. Like it's just they only listen to their book, yeah, and like nothing else. And the book is pre- very similar. Yeah, that's the thing. Where it's just like, and they just do not bend. But luckily, her family is very liberal. Oh, my okay. parents, for the most part, they've kind of like softened in their old age. Sure. They're just kind of like, I'm 30, 35 right now. And so like by Indian standards, I'm a grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> like most, most dudes get married. Most people get married at like 30 at the latest. Were they, so, if they had their wishes, would they have like found a wife for you and then do? Yeah, yeah. they tried when I was 25 uh-huh. and I said no. Oh, I'm pretty sure they still have uh, a couple of <laughs> bullets in the barrel. <laughs> They're just hoping for this relationship to fail. It's like, perfect. There's, I, be, there's I people on you. the bench. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? Um, I, I think they probably did. And then when I quit my job, they were like, fuck. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He, he's worthless uh, now. No, like, the stock uh, has fallen. Did you ever exactly. uh, Did you ever watch The Big Sick, Emron? Yeah, I was going to say. They, no, they I have didn't. a box full I, of pictures for you, <laughs> if you guys understand that reference. <laughs> Um, no, I haven't. I haven't watched that movie. I, I, ref, I can't. It's not like I refused. I just don't want to. Right? I was gonna it, say I refuse. <laughs> well, it hits too close to home, probably. No, it's. I don't want to have to like burn material right. because I've seen it in the movie. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I probably but should. But that's the silliest thing yeah. because the movie's already out there, so you have to burn yeah. it regardless. Yeah. True that. Is it just hard to watch other people too. live your dreams? Right. <laughs> Do you guys like, know God, if I uh, beat to the punch again? <laughs> Is Hassan Minaj is his was his wife arranged or do you guys know if they met? No, uh, they met. he met his his wife is Hindu. Oh, okay, but they met in college. Got it. Okay, because I want that was his whole special. Did you know Hassan? I I knew him back in the day, like just from open mics. Okay, but he, there's I don't, I doubt he would ever remember me now. Man, you fucked up. Man. I, I you fucked like, up huge. You weren't friends with Hassan. Yeah. You weren't friends with Jr. No. Nobody. No, I saw yeah, you chose dude. the two wrong Sacramento people to host <laughs> uh, like with. Yeah. <laughs> the least successful. Just as fucking funny as they are. Just Chaz and Nick. <laughs> Chaz uh, moved back, right? Yeah, Chaz is in Sac now. He has a kid. He's a little baby, super cute. He uh he's a dad. He loves it. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's crushing Dope. it. Yeah, but I, you know. Do you have any plans to have children? Uh, my wife and I are both like really career oriented so she's in school and working full time and i'm doing this so we both like kind of think about it once in a while but it's not like on the front of mind uh we we say like in three or four years we'll think about it but we're also in a position like 
if we had a kid now, it wouldn't be, be the end of the world. You know, we're married. We're both 30. So it'd be like, okay, we weren't planning on this, but we have a kid. But uh, Yeah, you guys would make it work. Yeah, somehow. it would be fine. But, you know, she, she has um, Explanon. It's like the implant. So it's literally impossible for her to get pregnant. Hell yeah. But if she did... Okay. If I somehow got her pregnant, we would obviously have to keep this miracle child that broke. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So, wow, you really want this to happen, yeah, kid. Yeah, I think the thing is, like, 99% effective. So, obviously, like, there's a small chance that you could become pregnant while you're on it. But, yeah, you know, we, we haven't really... We both want to be more set in our careers before right. um, anything happens. I mean, you're, you're, you joke, but you're also on the come-up right now. Like, you got... You made it pretty far in NBC stand-up, didn't you? Yeah, I've been a semi-finalist twice. I was in their late-night writers program. So, yeah, I have, like, <laughs> I have contacts and no money. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Can you, can you talk about the, uh, the late-night writers program a little bit? Yeah. Like, what was that like and what did that entail? It's really cool. Uh, it's basically the idea is writers' rooms are all white men. And they want to mm-hmm. inject them with women and men of color. So, yeah, every year NBC chooses, like, eight people to um, out of, like, however many people submit uh, packets. Mm-hmm. And they pick the ones they like. And they take you uh, to 30 Rock for a week, which is really cool. You're, like, in the building with all the late night shows and uh, Saturday Night Live. That's the coolest part. You're in a real writer's room where... Uh, you know, all the late night writer people actually work. So that's really cool. And then they have a guy who works in late night kind of just like show you how it's done. Like this is what a writer's room is like. Um, basically. So what is, what is it like? It just, they demystify everything. They make it like, look, you can do this. It's just like, it's collaborative. You read the news, you look at Twitter and then you formulate monologue jokes. You formulate sketches, desk piece ideas And, yeah, they kind of just show you, like, the mechanism of, like, how a show is made. And at the end of it, you basically mimic, like, what a real writer's room is. So they teach you all this stuff, and they're like, okay, today we're going to, like, show you how we build a show. And then they give uh, each person in the group a task. So I think me and my partner were like, okay, you guys come up with uh, the monologue jokes for today. And then another group was given, like, um, other portions of the show. And then we kind of come in. And the instructor acted like the head writer, who's, like, basically the editor who chooses, like, what goes in the show. And we kind of got to see, um, like, how it's all done. So the biggest piece is, like, I think at our level, everyone is really funny. It's just, like, learning Mm -hmm. to edit. Like, chopping things down is, like, the biggest thing I learned. Like, if you think it's good, it's not good enough yet. And even (laughs) the stuff that makes it on TV was not, like, as good as it can be. It just was time for it to go on TV. So... Yeah, oh, learning to edit was, like, the biggest, biggest thing. And then uh, the really cool thing is at the end, you get to be in touch with, like, executives in late night and, uh, you know, decision makers. So you're kind of, like, plugged in. They'll every once in a while email you to, you know, submit to shows and stuff. So that was, like, the coolest thing. Awesome. Yeah. Have you – are you trying to get a writer's gig? Yeah, I've like a submitted to, like, right a now? bunch of shows. So uh, we'll see what happens. Like, I just did another – late night writing course um with this guy mike drucker he writes for sam b yeah and you know mike is yeah he's really good his twitter is incredible oh good he's so um but dave and i were just talking before 
about how arbitrary comedy is. Like someone will tell you this is how you make it, and then another person will tell you this is how you make it, and <laughs> both things right. are true, even though both things are like not <laughs> the way you will make it. And contradictory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. the big thing I learned from Mike, he was like, "Yeah, man, just keep submitting." Uh, sometimes you hear back right away. Sometimes you hear back like uh, eight months later and they had your packet in a drawer and just didn't need anyone yet, but just were taking submissions. So I have like a ton of packets up in the air. It's just like, it's just like comedy, man. Like, uh, Imran, I'm sure you did the whole process at the punch where you show up at the punch and then you wait and wait and wait. And like every level of comedy, once you make it, like I was so happy once (laughs) I got into the program, I was, it's super prestigious. It's a great for your resume. And then you're like, no, you're just like in another level of waiting. (laughs) So it's like you you finish the week out and then you're at the same shitty open mic. You were the totally man. Like this year, uh, I was lucky enough to do, um, Gramercy Theater with Ronnie Chang. Like, 500 people sold out in New York. I've never nice. done a theater in New York before. And then the next night, I was at, like, a bar mic bombing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's, comedy is, like, the great equalizer, man. You get all this cool shit. And then going to yeah. a mic, no one knows you. No one gives a fuck about you. And it's like, no, yeah. you suck still, man. Uh, so it's, uh, it's very demoralizing and humbling. Yeah, but then the you get that one thing, and it feels so good, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely. hanging it. I think the biggest thing is like, and I think we all know this is just perseverance, hanging on. You know, right. and I think being Asian I, really do you, <laughs> helps with that. When, when you went through the the writers program, like, did you get a sense of how they feel the industry is changing? Because it seems like like Conan cut his show in half just because he's having a hard time. <laughs> First off, Conan like didn't cut his show in half. TV has cut well, his show in half. He has cut his show in half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's like they a lot of these late night shows are having a harder time competing with all, all the online content now, and so do you see like anything changing from any of the people that you met or talked to? It feels like um, they're still optimistic because no matter where shows go, whether they're streaming or on traditional network, uh, they're mm-hmm. still going to need writers. So yeah, even though Conan cut his show in half, I know they just were looking for more writers um, last week. And then oh, wow. okay. you look at, like, even Deces and Mero, who were, like, big podcasters and Twitter go- dudes, they just had a right. show that's coming out on Showtime, and I, I know they have a small writer's room. So even if something's going to be on Hulu or Netflix, like Hassan's show, like, he still needs yep. writers. So it just feels like it's more splintered. Um, probably, like, 10 years ago, there would be, like, eight big writer's rooms of yeah. the big network and then the few cable shows, and now it's just, like probably going to be like 30 small rooms hell yeah you know that's good yeah that's real good i think the deces and mero show has like four writers which i think would be cool because the guys carry the show so much on their personality and the writers are probably just there to like edit and punch stuff up and that sounds easier i uh the cool thing uh, aparna nanchurla came she was a writer for seth and now she's like a super famous stand-up and she came in and she was like, I hated writing for late night. It was so hard and it just sucks. And I was like, oh, shit. So even if you get your dream job, sometimes it really sucks. Um, so yeah. it seems like Conan's show, now that it's half as long and he doesn't do as much topical shit, the writers probably love it because, they're, you know, they're probably not getting paid as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And the staff got cut. But the people that are left are probably like, thank God, this is so much easier. <laughs> it's hard to compete with, like, Twitter and YouTube now, too. Like... If yeah. you're coming out yeah. at midnight, all the jokes have been done already about, um, you know, Trump ordering an omelet, you know, like every single joke right. has been done by 11 o'clock.
So, Emron, now that your parents have met your girlfriend, were you guys getting married? <laughs> Probably within the next year. This oh, time. Awesome. oh, wow, congrats. Okay. Yeah, I like how that you publicly win- said that because she doesn't listen to the podcast, <laughs> so she'll still be surprised. <laughs> no, honestly, that was the main thing. Like my parents had like all like all this the stuff that we wanted. They kind of were like wanted to talk to her about, and I was like, "You can't do that to her yet because I'm not. E- we're not even engaged. Like I haven't proposed. It's like you're jumping way too far out." Yeah, are and they? So though? They were like, are they? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, basically, they were just gonna be. They were gonna ask her, be like, just think about converting, and she'd be like, no. And that would, <laughs> I like that. It's like a hail mary. Like, what'd you think about yeah. it? Because yeah. I told her very early on, I was like, they're gonna ask you that, and if they do, I don't want you to give them hope. I want you to just shoot it down immediately. Yeah. I don't want it to be like this lingering thing. How did she shoot it down immediately? Oh, that's just politely, just oh. be like, you know, because like her uh, grandparents or great grandparents were like holocaust survivors yeah. so just you know tell them it's a part of your identity the way that being muslim is part of my identity and then you know that's just how it's going to be your and parents be could have a- pitched it's like i understand there were holocaust survivors isn't that a lot of baggage you wish you can just unload <laughs> <laughs> by converting <laughs> fresh beginnings you know start a new start a yeah. new page you know you felt that kind of persecution do you want to be persecuted now yeah. like America? <laughs> be a muslim it's a lot not really, but um, yeah, so that's basically the only thing that they're going to have. So the only discussion that my parents had with me after like she left and everything was like, you should be like, you should propose probably sometime soon and then get married within the next year. Like they really just want me to get married. Right. I don't know. Uh, I think they were just looking at me when I was over there and they're like, you look old now. So (laughs) have you, have you thought about the ceremony at all? Like what type of ceremony you guys would have? I told them, I was like, you know, we're, it's going to be, um, there's probably going to be two weddings or two Uh, ceremonies. Yeah. 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 I mean Mm -hmm. like a Muslim version and then a Christian, I mean a Jewish version. (laughs) 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 We're doing Catholic wedding to piss everybody off. (laughs) (laughs) No one's enjoying this day. Just have a destination wedding and then nobody will come. And I'm like, that's a good idea. But realistically what's going to happen is like everybody that my parents and I know lives on the East coast and everybody that my girlfriend and her family knows is on the West coast. So we're going to have a Muslim wedding on the probably the East Coast right. and a Christian wedding. I mean, a Jewish wedding. <laughs> <laughs> a Jewish wedding on the West Coast. The only thing is, like, my parents are religious. And so, like, um, I think part of the Jewish custom in the wedding is, like, I think I have to drink wine. So I don't know how I'm going to get away or get around that. Uh, you've drank wine before. I know, but my parents don't know that. Right. And oh, to oh. do that like publicly in front of all of their Muslim friends who show up, I'm just gonna have to oh, drink all this wine. Muslims well, cannot drink any sort of alcohol, correct? Alcohol at right. all. So it's just gonna I'm gonna Tom, don't worry, bacon it. wine, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Nanashevitz, yeah. right? That's what it's you'll have. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I don't think it's like that. I mean it's not like I'm gonna get drunk, but right. I don't know. It might be them being like, There's only two rules. No pork and no alcohol. <laughs> right, and right. You're breaking it right here. Oh, uh, and the Jews are so close. Was just the no pork. You're halfway there, guys. <laughs> it's like 50-50, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh, you can't win them all, Mom. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's it for the podcast. Uh, thank you, yeah. Brian, for... Thanks for having me, guys. This yeah, was no. super fun. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, dude. We'd love to have you on again. Plug NBA. your shit. Let people know where to find you. Uh, BrianYang.com, uh, B-R-Y-A-N-Y-A-N-G.com, and at Brian Yang, B-R-Y-A-N-Y-A-N-G on Twitter. Um, yeah, follow me. Um, you can see all my dates and stuff. And yeah, if you like my stuff, uh, find me there. Come to uh, find his comedy, go enjoy his comedy, and then go uh, spam the Knitting Factory to book him. Yeah, please. <laughs> I, that's all I want is to be booked at the Knit in 2019. All right. Uh, Emron, where can people find you? You can find me at Imran the G. And then where can they find me? At David Nguyen. And where they can find us? At thebadasianshow.com. Hell yeah. Uh, once again, I want to thank uh, Listening Party and Canal Street Radio for hosting this podcast. Uh, go follow them at Listening Party and then at Canal Street Market. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Have a great day. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye. Peace.